welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And my guest with me today is Nate, the creator of the Highland Paranormal Society. Hello, Nate. Hey, how's it going, Logar? It's going good. It's going good. So I've got a question. What exactly is the Highland Paranormal Society? So Highland Paranormal Society is, um, it's sort of the uh, name I publish a lot of various art under, mostly tabletop role-playing games. Yeah, I, I've been using the name since before that, though. I used to just do posters and zines and stuff like that, just art, random art. And I kind of use that name because uh, I live in a neighborhood called Highland oh, in Shreveport, Louisiana. Excellent. So I'm yeah. So what I'm curious to know what kind of zines you were putting out there before you started doing the game stuff. Uh, just like weird little comic art things, um, like little handmade pocket mods. I just would like fold the paper and then draw on every page and photocopy them and throw excellent. them around, leave them places. Yeah, that's excellent. I love that. That's great yeah. stuff. That's great stuff. I have I have quite a long history of, of zines and even like little homemade comics and stuff that dates back yeah. to at least another a century before this one. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I get excited hearing about that. So what made the, uh, the, the changeover from, from doing all that? When did you start doing all the game stuff and what, what, what led you in that direction? Uh, well, I played Dungeons and Dragons and uh, got pretty hooked. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't play as a kid. I, I was in college when I first played and um, anything, I think it was 3.5. Mm-hmm. which i uh i didn't understand the rules i still don't <laughs> yeah um, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I then uh fifth edition came out but, but it was a dnd next it was like play test they put out and i oh, got I into that yeah i remember they put that out yeah so that's kind of what i started with really was with the fifth edition and uh then at some point i started seeing kind of i was like well th- i like this game but like everything, there's got to be some cool underground stuff going on, like with any art form. And I ended up playing, uh, see, the Black Hack oh, yeah. and some of that OSR stuff and just people doing cool little zine stuff like I already liked seeing in other, in other uh, media and art forms. So, yeah, that's naturally what I gravitated towards the DIY stuff. That's great. That's great. So you do like a lot of one page games and things like that yeah what what was the inspiration to kind of like because most <laughs> games i have on my shelves are not one page <laughs> yeah <most are. laughs> yeah i've got I def- i've definitely got some that are more than one page but uh yeah um mostly it's just uh attention span and what i, I like doing projects i know i can get done if something drags on and it's not getting finished it gets harder and harder to keep working on it and just that that satisfaction of like finishing a project so i think that helps me stick with small things something that something manageable and also uh also simple because <laughs> i yeah. i don't I, I never knew how to play 3.5 um it's been a role for me well, and I, i'm not a big big math guy so uh i like things to be simple and short and get right to the action I have played a lot of editions and a lot of various games over the years, just a lot. I ran, I actually, I, I never ran 3.5. I ran third edition prior to 3.5. And then mm-hmm. I ran Pathfinder some years yeah. later. And I've, I'll i be honest, like third edition and Pathfinder, I had a rough time running those because there's a lot 
heavier rule set than I'm used to. Like I hear people say that like some AD and D and stuff like that was complex, but they didn't have nearly as many yeah, numbers yeah. going on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, so I don't know where that came from, but yeah. yeah, there's a lot. There's so many feats that change things and you have to keep certain sure. combat orders straight or you break the game. And then yeah. I'm, like, it's yeah. a bit more for me. I love to play your game if you're going to run it, but it's not yeah. the game I'm wanting to run. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'll pl I'll play almost any game if I don't have to be the one who has to know how it works. <laughs> yeah, like we played Starfinder pretty much the same. I had yeah. a lot of fun. I didn't run it, mm -hmm. but I didn't have to worry about a lot of the complications because <laughs> I wasn't running, so it was great fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I appreciate a simpler game. Where there's so many like you've I've got this book, and if if y'all listeners haven't picked it up yet. This is one that Nate's put out. It's a Highland Paranormal Society anthology called The Haunted Almanac. And could you tell the listeners what this book is exactly? Yes. It's not just like one thing. It's not like like this is a full adventure. This is a full game. It's a lot of games and a lot of Yeah, adventures. it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, so it's stuff. Most of pretty much everything in there is something that came out on my Patreon over the past few years, Games Omnivores reached out to me about compiling it into an anthology. And uh, I was, uh, everything, I like everything they make. They make a lot of really cool books and, and they know what they're doing. So I was happy to work with them on that. And um, uh, Guillermo Gontillo, a great graphic designer, he, I gave him all my files and he really made it all fit together in a book, which I, I was really impressed with how the book came out because it's, a lot of small things that don't fit together <laughs> that were originally made for very strange little formats. And uh, they made it all look like it belongs together in a book. So yeah, it's got little games. It's got adventures, like everything I made over uh, a, I don't know, two to three year period all put into one book. Yeah. It's got, a, it's got a lot of good stuff in here. It's got what, a, what I like about it is there's so much here. Like, there's a bunch of little one like one page games and short games. Mm -hmm. So you got plenty of games there to play, but there's also tons of little adventures in it as well. Yeah. That you could whatever you're playing, you could probably bust them out and use those adventures in. <laughs> yes, yeah. I yeah, those adventures. I, I hope people are able to use them with whatever you know, whatever fantasy game they're playing, usually. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't see like I've got I, I haven't run one yet because I haven't been running a fantasy game, but running rifts instead yeah. lately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people have, I have heard people say they use some of those in like some sci-fi games and stuff. It's pretty easy to reskin things when you need to, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm planning on actually running a, an old school style game here sooner than later. I definitely, some of these adventures are on the list to get thrown in for that, for that cycle and that campaign. I've got a whole stack of zines of different yeah. various things I'm excited to throw in there. And that 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 uh, haunted almanacs right on there in that stack you ready to go. So I appreciate. Yeah. It. Thanks. Yeah, I, I don't know how many are left. I know that Exalted Funeral has some in stock, but other than that, um, I think they're pretty much they're almost gone, except for whatever they got at Exalted. You better grab them while they're still gone. It's <laughs> well worth it. I promise you. <laughs> and. If not, you've got plenty of stuff out there. You got more stuff coming out. You you, yeah. you got a few new things in the in the works. This one that you have uh, 
this Pilgrims of Misfortune. Yes, Pilgrims of Misfortune. That's right. I'm curious to know a little bit about this because like some of the stats look like they're things like your clumsiness, kind of the opposite of the yeah. things you normally yeah. find in a game. What's the map? <laughs> yeah, the stats, the stats are negative. Um, so all right, just I know you talked to um you talked to Yokai uh, yes. about Cairn. Um, yes. I, I started with Cairn, kind of making like my, my little hack of Cairn, which is a, fun, is a really fun game. And they, I it kind of got away from it a bit. It kind of, I ended up taking out the kind of the things that I kind of viewed as the core kind of <laughs> things from Cairn. But it's definitely highly influenced by Cairn. It started as me <laughs> just you know messing with that. But uh, it's a uh, your stats are all negative. They are your, I mean frailty clumsiness and doubt and you have to roll over those so like um you have to overcome your frailty to do something a feat of strength so you have to roll higher than what that score is and like doubts in there as sort of your intelligence mental stat um you have to overcome your doubt to do anything you know to do something that test would test your intelligence or some kind of magic or something um, it, I, I'm trying to make it kind of a, a religious focused thing, like trying to put a lot of uh, religious influence stuff into it, just because I'm kind of interested in that kind of stuff. Um, so, so what I, I think I sent you the early version, that's kind of the rules. And what I still have left to work on is sort of uh, some adventures, maybe a little hex crawl with some dungeons and some, you know, some like world building tables for the game master to use. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, the... I was messing with it and I, I, I kept kind of trying to figure out what, what do I want to do with these stats? Cause I, I want it to roll over. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be roll under for some reason. I just was like, let me try to do it roll over. And I, I, and then uh, this uh, designer, Micah Anderson, uh, they're like a great game designer and graphic designer. Um, great, great layout. I, I, I hope to get them to help me lay out some of this new stuff maybe, but uh, they were like, Oh, just, they're like, just make your stats uh, negatives. And I was like, that is a great idea and i went with it and yeah it's, it's fun it's, it's a cool idea it's the first time i've ever seen that <laughs> yeah yeah that i can I, recall I, I feel like it plays into the theme this kind of religious theme of kind of defining yourself by your faults and your negatives was, kind of a I yeah. was born a sinner. Oh, yeah. I, I am I am unworthy type mindset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Overcoming the weakness of your flesh to to do I, anything I worthy. I appreciate that. That's, that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. That's pretty cute. I like that. So I'm curious about your creative process when you're doing some mm-hmm. of this stuff. How much of how much of your art and everything else are you doing by hand versus digital? How are you going about this? Um my art. I'm mostly, it's mostly digital on an iPad. I, I use Procreate uh, to draw most everything. And uh, that it, I've had, I got that iPad a little over a year ago and it's a game changer. Um, yeah, it, the software Procreate and the pencil they have, it really, it feels like you're drawing, like it feels like you're drawing by hand, but you get a lot of the benefits of the digital stuff. Like you can't being able to undo a mistake immediately and and have a yeah. hundred different kinds of brushes <laughs> and colors to use. Like it, it really, uh, yeah, it, it's it's really great. So I I kind of am doing it by hand, but with a digital stylus on the tablet. Yeah, I, I got this like Wacom, and yeah. it, it's it's it, it's 
I had one years ago when they first started mm-hmm. coming out at work where I worked at. And I've always found those hard because they don't have like the screen you directly do. there. Mm-hmm. So it's I've found it easier to draw digitally with a mouse than I do yeah. <laughs> one of those pads. And I've never taken yeah. the time to just get accustomed to it. So I guess yeah. doing the iPad, you're drawing directly on it would yeah. be much easier for me. Yeah, it's much easier. Yeah, because I, I had the same issue. I used a little Wacom tablet. I had that same one, I think, for a while. And I had a, and then I had another one um, that I used. And I started to get the hang of it after a while. Um, but yeah, well, then when I got the iPad and you can just kind of, di- you feel like you're directly drawing on it. It's, yeah, it's so much easier. Yeah, it, it, I feel like it takes a lot of practice to get used to like not looking at your hand while you're drawing, looking oh, at the yeah. screen. Well, I can not look at my hand and draw through a mouse all day long. Yeah. I'm so used to that. Yeah. Especially like when it's like like vector type stuff and, and oh yeah you know, yeah mess sure, with yeah. the nodes and stuff like that like that I can do all day long yeah but when it comes to that pad and I get in there I'm like oh now I got it <laughs> and and if you try to mess around with like you know some of the nodes and curves and stuff like that when you're messing around with some kind of vector image then on that yeah. pad I'm helpless <laughs> I can't do oh, that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I have not put the hours in to learn that skill so that yeah yeah. I, yeah. I was just a little curious about because the the style is does have a very a lot of your stuff has a very hand drawn element to it and yeah. I appreciate that so I was wondering if there was like scanning going on or if it was doing it immediately or anything like that that's really the biggest reason I was asking <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's all on the iPad now yeah but it used to be I used some of the stuff in that book there's probably some illustrations or stuff I drew by hand and then scanned in and then drew over in Photoshop or something or colored in Photoshop. But yeah, also in that book, there's a lot of public domain stuff um, that Gontillo put in there. Um, he made some cool collages and stuff of art for some of the different layouts in there. There's, a, there's one, there's one, I'm assuming this is one that he, that that they put in there, uh, was that there's a beautiful flower. Oh, there it is, on the Lost Isle. That beautiful, that beautiful flower. Oh, yeah. So that that that's a collage I made in Photoshop a long time ago when I first uh, made that um i put that was first a little zine published with exalted exalted funeral and yep i made that um found a bunch of old public domain flower illustrations and just cut them out and put them all together yeah i love them i'm a big fan of flowers oddly enough yeah <laughs> this is the thing i got them all over my arm it's like my screen yeah. saver and everything i just love flowers <laughs> i'm a gardener yeah. <laughs> i got oh, cool, time cool. my garden mostly food but i've grown some flowers here and there so <laughs> Yeah, I had a phase like that where I had a phase where everything I made was basically like that. Just all these old flowers cut out like that. Um, I used to do a bunch of like show posters for local bands and stuff. And there's probably two years where like every every flyer for a band in town had flowers like that everywhere. That was just I was so into it for some reason. <laughs> I like that. I like flowers. I really appreciate it. I could I could dig it. I would smile mm-hmm. when I saw that band poster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good stuff. I'm curious because you're you're still putting stuff out. You got the one published printed anthology that's like everything mm-hmm. here. Will there ever be another one like that taking your what you're what you're still doing? Or <laughs> maybe I yeah, I would not be opposed to doing another uh, once I got some more stuff built up. I've been making stuff since there. There's a lot of stuff that uh, is not in that that kind of is was made past the cutoff point. So yeah, I think there will definitely be 
another anthology eventually. I don't know when though. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I when it, <laughs> when there's another anthology, I'm gonna jump on and get it. <laughs> so I wanna I'm gonna change gears for a minute and ask. Yeah. You, you started with D and D, so I'm curious to know what you're playing at your table, what kind of stuff you get into, and stuff like that. What are your inspirations and in all this? So uh, usually when I play now, I'm usually doing like, I'll play like on online running one of my own things on discord with some people. And then I have recently kind of had a few in-person games again. We've taken a break because people have been getting sick, but uh, we have a little game going of mouse Ritter. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. With my nieces. Um, my niece and my brother were playing and that's been a lot of fun. So I'm hoping to get that started up again. I, that's one of my favorite games right now is Mouse Ritter. Yeah, I backed that and I, I backed that at the digital level. I really want a physical yeah. copy of it. I'm gonna I, I might know, try to <laughs> I, saw them, <laughs> I saw them posting the pictures today of the books that had just got printed and I was like, Oh, I kinda need one of those, I think. And that's a beautiful little book. I need that on my shelf. It looks mm-hmm. nice. I'd be happy with just the book. I'm not going to lie, that little box looks nice, but I'd be happy with just yeah. that book. <laughs> yeah. the uh, Yeah, it's great. It's great with kids, too. Uh, the inventory system is just perfect for kids. That's like what you cut out. You cut out the little, you cut out all the items and little squares and you kind of Tetris them together on your board so you can fit things how you want. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a really great way for kids to immediately understand what their character has, what items do they have that they can use. They, in the uh, in D and D, you'll have like a list of items written down, and you kind of forget what you even have because you don't have to really you don't have to physically worry about packing it into your yeah. backpack. But on there, you have to actually push things around. So yeah, it's it's a great way to for for them to to make the players you know want to use their items, so you don't end up with a cool item that you never use. You're like, well, I got this. I have to look at it all the time. I might as well use it. You never forget about it. It's great. Yeah, yeah I, I appreciate this. It. I it's one I feel that I'd rather run in person. I yeah, it's a great in person game. My daughter used to play with us. A couple, it's been a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son did some, but not a lot. He never mm-hmm. got into it. But my daughter would play with us, and she hasn't in quite a few years. She's too cool for mm-hmm. that. They're both very much yeah. too cool <laughs> for role playing games at this point. Yeah. Teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> But I've been trying to get her to play Mouse Ritter. I'm going to have to start. I'm hoping that I can get a family Mouse Ritter game going on. That'd be awesome. That, that's the one I've been eyeballing the most. Have you run any of the, the I know with the Kickstarter, they gave they had a bunch of new adventures that came out, like pamphlet adventures. Have you tried running mm-hmm. any of those? Or are you running your own thing? What are you running with that? Um, so I was running my own. Uh, I have a little book called Dogtooth Valley. Mm-hmm. That is, um, it's this little hex, hex crawl and it's got like six one page dungeons in it pretty much set around this hex map. So I was running that, but I got the, I have the PDF of the uh, Mouse Ritter campaign that is a bunch of pamphlet dungeons. And one, I did one of those for it. I wrote one of them and uh, I've been reading that and it's really cool. So that's probably what we're going to move into next when we're done with Dogtooth Valley. That's excellent. That's, I see. I think it's called the Estate. Is what it's called. The Mouse Ritter official, official adventure or whatever. It's uh, it's got so many good things in it. Yeah. I don't know how good I'd be at writing a Mouse Ritter adventure myself. I guess I I, uh-huh. I can probably put myself in that mind. 
I think if I were to run it, I wouldn't want to start with the adventures and get some ideas from other people first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I looked at some of the ideas they had already other other authors had already put in and they really helped me a lot because uh yeah, I had to like, get in that mindset of I'd write something and be like, well, but what but what if this is mouse size? I just wrote like <laughs> like a big dungeon. It's like they don't mice <laughs> mice take up like, you know, a few feet of this would be like way <laughs> enough for them to have a dungeon in. So mine ended up being like a little sewer drainage pipe that that the adventure takes place in, but yeah, it 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 takes some it takes some uh getting in that mindset of try, of trying to make things seem big. Which once you I feel like once you get playing in that way, it's really good. The Mouse Reader campaign I've been running, we started not really acknowledging that we were just kind of using the system, but not really. I was using my adventure and not really acknowledging mouse sized things, but then. <laughs> The more the more we leaned into like being that we're little mice, it got a lot better. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. I was I was playing for a while that game Mice and Mystics, mm-hmm. and I haven't been able to get anybody play with me, play with that with me for forever. Yeah, I'm not I've sure seen that. It's a little board game, and the the premise yeah. is pretty much just like Mouse Reader. Only I think you maybe yeah. are actually people who are shrunk down to mice. Or oh, something, cool. if I'm remembering correctly. So then you have mm-hmm. to run through the castle. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love the idea of that. And like when Bunny, I still haven't picked up Bunnies and Burrows outside of the digital. I wanted to run Bunnies and yeah. Burrows. But mm-hmm. all these little, like, you're playing little animals. I've yet, yet to run a game like that. I've been wanting to do it forever. Like growing yeah. up, stuff like <laughs> Secret of Nim and stuff like that fascinated yeah. me. That was cool stuff. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I've been curious about bunnies and brewers. I loved uh, Watership Down a lot as a kid. So yeah, I've, I've always thought about buying that just to check it out. See, everybody said, like seems to have watched Watership Down growing up, but I don't think <laughs> I heard of it till I was in my 30s. I was like, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> the other one was Redwall. I didn't know Redwall existed back in the day. I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> I um, all, Yeah, my brother, I have a my brothers were always reading red the Redwall books, and I never read them. Um, but I did read Watership Down, and I watched there's like the animated movie, and I watched that, and then I read the book, and the book was one of my favorite books. Uh, it still is probably one of my favorites, yeah. But I didn't read Redwall. Yeah, I, I think I I I uh, I've not read either one of them, <laughs> but I have watched the cartoons now of yeah. Watership Down. There's there's at least two that I think I've mm-hmm. seen at this point. Yeah, there's like a it's like a series maybe. I, I'm not sure. I haven't watched whatever the newest one is, just the older one. But yeah, the book is great. I think they just did like a remake on like one of the big like Netflix or something yeah. for a minute yeah. there and it was pretty much I think it was just supposed to be the same. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I don't remember that. I, don't know. <laughs> I didn't read the book. I mean, I probably have to approach it and pick it up. I don't know how we got on Watership now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I'm going to trail off from this, and I'm going to bring this over to something that I probably said before, but one of the things when I was a kid, like I remember the, there was the burrowers, isn't that what they were called? Yeah. The yeah. The, the, the borrowers? The borrowers. Like the little people, they lived like in the wall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember I, that. I used to be fascinated with my, my grandmother had this like stump, like a tree stump, and it was mm-hmm. carved out to be like a little like, I want to say house or like, oh, like cool. block village type thing. And like had yeah. little pieces of twigs for like railing and stuff and little stairs yeah, carved awesome. into it. Yeah. And I always pictured little, like, 
like fellers like that, like Smurfs or borrowers or water yeah. shut down, like Secret of Nim. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and I would always imagine just like the secrets that were hidden in the stump and the grass around the trees yeah. running through there. <laughs> and when I play D and D, like, like my mind constantly goes back to that when we're like delving yeah. in dungeons and like yeah. that. It's <laughs> that that I'm trying to capture that reliving from yeah. childhood. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just that like pure imagination and yeah, it, I feel like that stuff is such great inspiration for whenever you're trying to come up with, and something for game night for an adventure or something yeah just think about the, the cool things you imagined around you as a kid yeah i think that there's a lot of new games i would say even stuff like dolomwood is doing it now like but lots of games yeah. are like capturing that whimsy now mm -hmm. it's definitely yeah. maybe not the big big name games as much yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't think i'm the only person that that wants that like desires that fairy tale whimsy in their games and they're playing mm -hmm. i think that's i'm seeing them more and more like yeah i think so yeah i think there's a lot of that i think uh things are not as grim dark as uh they have been people are people are having people are yeah people are i guess i guess whimsical is the word people are uh putting some of that into their games one of the things I, my OSE character was an elf. It was, it was just an, just an elf who was racist class and he was, his name was Devlin. And I described him as a, as more of a Keebler elf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I appreciate Cause I know that you got like some of your little, little, I, I'm yeah. not sure if they're just, they're just characters, but they, they put me in the mind of like what I feel a dwarf could be. <laughs> some of mm -hmm. the illustrations <laughs> I see in your, in your, uh, when I was flipping through the, the, uh, haunted almanac and yeah kind of some of those illustrations gave me inspiration i think i want to play a dwarf now with a different <laughs> I, I haven't given it a name like the keebler elf. it can't be a keebler yeah. dwarf it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> keebler gnome the keebler gnomes there we go like D D as like the official dungeons and dragons has its like delineations of what elves yeah. are and gnomes are and uh, dwarves yeah. are that i feel kind of different from I don't, other yeah. things that i've seen in the past yeah, i don't like that i don't like that delineation i don't i like uh <laughs> like in uh i mean in folklore um there's not that delineation everything is everything is fairies everything is elves and my gnomes goblins are all the same thing um i have i have a on a blog i have a blog i wrote a thing once that was about um, just like this kind of piece of piece of fiction about how I was like imagining this world where like elves didn't exist but goblins did, yeah. and it, and kind of hinting at that goblins are elves that the elves became. It, it, it was this kind of world I was starting to to work on where like <laughs> elves had come from some other world or dimension, and when they got on this planet, they kind of take on the form of the environment around them. So you have like you have like uh, goat goblins, you have fish goblins the ones that live by the water and it was just that's what elves turn into after they're in a the place long enough to become the goblins of the place i like and, that yeah and it's because I, I feel like um when you read folklore i mean all those things are the same those words are pretty interchangeable i think yeah like i've read i've read quite a bit of old folklore on fey yeah. and stuff like that and there is like the tolkien had a huge impact on the game oh yeah <laughs> let's just let's just put it that way it, an elf became something very Tolkienish in D and D, yeah. and it's just modeled after that now in the game, like almost permanently. 
I do like that little bit of ambiguity and strangeness and, and, and mix mm. it up. I, I appreciate yeah. that. I like to approach it that way. I think I think I need to do more with that in my next game I'm running, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I got my, yeah. my wheels turned. <laughs> what was the – there was one I was going to bring up. Oh, Yeet. Is it Yeats or Yeats? The guy that – the poet. Um, What's his name? Because I think – didn't I see uh, you reference him in something? Yeah, uh, Yeats. Yates. That's how I say called. Yates, but maybe it is Yates. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was. I've tried. Yeah. To, I'm always trying to pronounce things properly, but I've yeah. only read them, so I sound like an idiot yeah, when I same. say it. His yeah. name's not Yeast. <laughs> yeah, same. I don't know how to pronounce a lot of things. I'm just guessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I think I quote one of his poems, "The Wanderings of." It's a name I don't know how to percent. It's um, it's like. Ocean or some it's I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's this poem that's like this kind of epic, very uh uh fantasy sort of poem. But yeah, it it kind of it was something I was reading and uh when I was writing that adventure and it kind of fit a little bit the because yeah. it's about fae stuff, elves and things like that. Well, he did a, he did quite a bit of stuff like that. I've got a book of his yeah. where he just writes about like it was mostly like uh fae related like fable type stuff that he wrote yeah i love it yeah he, really sort of, yeah he sort of had this like occult streak in his stuff where yeah. he kind of gets into that stuff yeah it's i was yeah I, i'm always trying to look for stuff like that because i feel like it you can get some inspiration that poem it, it's in the uh it's at the beginning of my adventure the uh bearer of the elf king but yeah, it's, I wish I could remember the name of the poem exactly, but it's it's quoted there at the beginning. It's 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 really good. Lots of cool stuff in it. Yeah. Well, he, him in general, he did like like he like when you're talking about religion and the faith, like he was into that whole Golden Dawn thing. I got this great book yeah. on uh, yeah. on the the founders of the Golden Dawn, the people, mm-hmm. famous people of it. It's like a like a little auto or little biographies of each of them and he's in there yeah. but yeah i just it struck me when i saw that in there i was like oh yeah i like where he's coming from <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i appreciated seeing that one we're coming close to time this time flies by quick when you're doing this yeah. thing <laughs> i would like it if you could tell the listeners honestly i think a lot of our listeners might already know where to find your stuff <laughs> but if <laughs> A lot of them might not. So, did you tell our listeners where they can find you online, where they can pick your stuff up and check it out? You can pick up a lot of my the PDFs of a lot of my stuff at um, natetreme.itch.io. Um, that's my name, N-A-T-E-T-R-E-M-E, Nate Treme. And then there's highlandparanormalsociety.com. That is a new website that I've been working on. I'm kind of slowly moving all my stuff there, trying to have all my my own store right can sell everything from so you'll be able to get pdfs and uh physical books from there so highlandparanormalsociety.com that's probably the easiest to remember go there and you'll be able to find links to all my stuff from there but yeah i'm uh, i've got that set up right now for um people can do pre-orders of pilgrims of misfortune that i'm working on now i'm hoping to have that uh done and hopefully get that shipped out in may is like what i'm looking for and I'm also, I have a game that I did a while back called um, In the Light of a Ghost Star. It's like a little rules light science fiction game um, that people always ask me if there's reprints. I, the first ones were all handmade. I made a hundred copies 
printed on my printer right over here and Excellent. stapled them. Um, so, so I'm going to finally get some some printed that won't fall apart, hopefully some <laughs> better ones. Um, so people can pre-order that also at highlandparanormalsociety.com. And you have a Patreon too as well, is that correct? Yes. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash HPS. Uh, that is, that's probably the best way to get my stuff. Uh, everything I've made, I think you can find on there. You can, you can join for $2 is the, the cheapest tier and you can go back through all the posts and download pretty much everything I've ever made on there. So yeah, that's, that's the cheapest way to get all the Highland Paranormal stuff. Yeah. Patreon. Well worth it. Excellent games. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. And those of you that have, thank you so much. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Light's pretty active there. I am as well. You might catch John there uh, talking to folks on the page as well. <laughs> Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom, and you can back us on Patreon patreon.com backslash wobblies and wizards and as always keep those dice rolling